you brought your Bibles and you read along with us or get one out of the pew, whichever uh, you prefer to do, uh, you can turn to the Gospel according to Luke chapter 18, uh, and you can mark that place for just a moment and then go back into the book of John chapter 3. So again, uh, mark Luke chapter 18, uh, we'll read that in just a moment, uh, but let's go back into the um, book of John uh, chapter 3, and we're going to read uh, some of these familiar verses here in just a minute. Again, Luke 18, uh, mark that, put your ribbon there, whatever you got, uh, and let's go back to uh, the gospel according to John, uh, and we'll read in the third chapter uh, here in just a minute. But as you're turning to those two, uh, those two places this morning, I want you to think about, have you ever had anything in your life where you had a change of heart? Anything in your life where you had a change of heart? Maybe something you used to dis not dislike or not like, and maybe now you do, you've had a change of heart, or vice versa. Uh, you know, are, are there things in our life that we change? I can tell you of all the things in your life that can change, your hair color can change, your hairstyle can change, your clothing styles can change, your, your weight can change, your, your automobiles can change. There's lots of things in our life that can change. But I pray of all the changes we experience in our life that you all can talk about a relationship, how it changed with God. A relationship that was once estranged. A relationship where sin built up between you and God. And God, in the manifestation of His Spirit, appeared unto you, and all of a sudden you had a change of heart. We're going to read about Nicodemus and how that the Lord told him that he must be born again. He must experience a change. And I don't mean just a changing of clothing or a changing of a lifestyle. He had the changing of a heart. We're going to read in just a little bit that there's going to be several of these Pharisees that they wanted to change their lifestyle. Now, I, don't, I, don't, I hope and I don't mind going on record saying this. I'm okay if you want to change and do better in your life. As long as you understand your works and better living will never allow you to enter into heaven. That the only thing that must change in you is your heart. It's a heart change. That's why it's called a new birth or that, that we talk about being born again. Now Nicodemus, I want to read in just a minute that, uh, that Nicodemus is going to have this encounter with Christ. You see, there's a lot of people that somewhat don't understand or may be confused about what salvation is. Salvation is not that you go to church. Salvation is not that you go to the water and you get baptized, whether in a baptistry, a lake, or a river, or an ocean, or any body of water. Salvation is a change that happens in you. Now, I believe a lot of people are changed outwardly. And again, I'm going to keep referencing and alluding back to the Pharisees for they were a very religious people that were worried about their actions. We talked about in Sunday school, and we still talk about it pretty frequently, the actions of man, but we always want to drive home the point is the actions are bad, but they are a manifestation of the heart of a person. Your actions come from your heart. You don't just commit things, you commit things because they are part of what's in your heart. And you see, that's where the battle lies with inside of us. Nicodemus, we're going to read here, that he begins in the very first verse. Now we can see in the, in the latter part of the second chapter there, um, that, that, that there was a need that we can see. Uh, and I'm not going to turn back and read all of those, but John chapter 2, before we get into that third chapter, 
And the 23rd verse says, Now when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day, many believed in his name when they saw the miracles which he did. People believed in Jesus and the work that he was doing. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men. And needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. This morning, if you were to walk through those doors and God were to tell you everything that's within inside of you, what would he tell you? I've heard it even alluded to, what would your life be like if we had a screen up here in front of everybody and we scroll through it, not your actions, but your thoughts? What would it be like? I know today I would want to kind of hit that mute button on the screen and maybe I wouldn't want you to see that, but God knows everything that is in your hearts. I'm not just talking about the deeds of your hands or even the words that come out of your mouth. We're talking about the things of our heart. When we talk about this morning a change of heart, I'm not asking you to change your mouth. By the way, there's a lot of people that need to change their language. You don't have to go very far to hear pretty foul, rough language out there. I'm not just telling society that they need to start caring for their fellow man. Or as we might say, just be a good Samaritan. You know what? I applaud that and I think people need to be kind to their neighbors. Not harsh and cruel and seems like it's getting harsher and crueler. We're talking about a change of heart about your relationship with Jesus. And Nicodemus, he knew the heart of them. He knew the heart of the Pharisees. That, that these were people that were very, they were very religious. They were very, uh, they were very much about trying to do things in a very customary manner. But Jesus said, that's not what's important. What's important is what's in your heart. You can go to church. You can go to Sunday school. You can do all the good deeds you want. But we're talking about a change of your heart. Is there a time in your life where you remember a change happening? I'm always interested when I hear people say, well, I can't explain it. Just something happened, folks. I'm glad that that something has a name. When you get saved by the grace of God, it's not just something. It's a salvation experience. And Nicodemus, notice what happens. Beginning in this very first verse, he was very religious. For there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now I want to tell you something about being in this position that he's in. He was a man of character. In other words, character just means he did what was right, not just when people were looking and not looking. He was a man of character. Folks, I believe that there are, regardless of, of how much people seem to be lacking in character, I believe there are people with good character that go to hell. I want to say that one more time. Character is not going to get you to heaven. There are people with good character that are still going to hell. There are people that just do right. When they've got good character about them, it just means they care about people, they want to do the right things, they say the right things, they are kind, they are compassionate. But Nicodemus fell in that category. Being a Pharisee named Nicodemus, he was a ruler of the Jews. I believe that not only did he have deep character, I believe he had a lot of religion about him. But what's sad about all the things that he did possess? You know, our world, I almost, I almost think sometimes in our spiritual lives, we want to treat it like we do in the secular world, a resume. Let's look at all the things that we do. Let's look at all what we've accomplished. Let's look at who we are. Folks, today I hope and I pray in the eyes of God that, that when we look at who we are and what we've done, it's nothing compared to what Jesus has done. 
that our works are, are insufficient, that our works, they're weak and they're small and they're, they're, they're nothing compared to God. And Nicodemus, he had all of these accolades, but the problem was he was spiritually blind. My fear is there's so many people in the world. You know, I, I see people and I hear of people and I read of people and I interact with people so often that they're being trained or they're being taught. Be kind to people. You can buy their gasoline. You can pay it forward at a restaurant. There's all kinds of good deeds that you can do. And don't leave here saying that preacher is against doing good deeds. What I'm saying is I want it to be absolutely clear this morning that all of these things will not get you to heaven, folks. The only thing that will get you to heaven is having a heart right with God in a relationship with Jesus. We want it to be plain. We want it to be simple. We want it to be understood to a lost world is that all those things are manifestations of, of an experience with the Lord, but they're not an automatic guarantee that you're going to go to heaven. And there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, and he was a ruler of the Jews. What do we get from our parents? What do we get from the people that we are raised around? What do we get from the people that we are surrounded with in our life? Let me read to you if I can. Just a minute. Let me turn back over to the book of uh, 2 Peter chapter 1. And in verse 4, I'll read it to you. 2 Peter. Where was that? 2 Peter. First chapter and in the fourth verse says this. Whereby are given to us an exceeding great and precious promise that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. What do we inherit? We inherit a, a sinful nature that is about us. That's what we inherit. We inherit a sinful nature about us. But you see, we try to teach and we try to overcome these things and try to do what's right. But folks, God is the great teacher. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. Is that he's going to be called rabbi, but he is going to be considered the great teacher. Folks, there's a lot of good people. There's a lot of good teachers in life. But there are none that can teach you any better than the Holy Spirit of God. There are people that I love to listen to them preach. And I love to listen to them teach. And I love to listen to them testify. They are great teachers. But you have to understand is that when we talk about a change of heart is you realize that there is one teacher that is greater than all teachers. The Spirit of God will always guide you into the truth. The Spirit of God will always take you to where you need to go. Some people sit in their pews and they, they, they go about their lives and they're fighting this. God, is this you? Is this not you? Let me tell you this. The devil will never lead you to do anything that glorifies God. God will always lead you to what glorifies Him. And if God is leading and God is speaking, are you listening to Him today? There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus. He says, the root of the Jews. Then, excuse me, the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi. He's again, he's going to call him this teacher. He came to him by night. There's a lot of speculation what it meant. Why did he come by night? Being a religious leader, they had heard about Jesus. Remember what I read to you there in that second chapter? They had heard about Jesus. Maybe Nicodemus, being a root of the Jews, was trying to keep the law and trying to do what was right, and he was struggling with it. You know what? I'm okay with people struggling trying to do right on their own. What does that mean? Let me, let me give you this understanding. If a person is too feeble to walk, 
The sooner they realize they need somebody to hold them so that they can get to where they're going, the sooner they're going to depend on that person to help them out, folks. The more you fail, the more you fall, the more you're going to realize you need Jesus in your life. And I am absolutely thankful that God brings us to a place that we realize we need Him. The ruler of the, this, this, this religious ruler realized he just kept failing. Of all the things that he did do, he was realizing there was still something still not right in his life. Aren't you glad today that God can let you know that something is not right in your life? I'm okay if God tells me my relationship with this or that is okay, folks. What we don't need is our relationship between God to be, uh, to be diminished. So that it is uh, not to where it needs to be and not close as it needs to be. And I pray today that if God's speaking to us and He's trying to give us this, this change of heart, that we will listen to Him. For this came unto Him, Jesus, by night. I don't know if this was the darkness of His life or if this was Him just secretly trying to come to Jesus, but he, He's going to see this need in His life. That's what happened here. He said, he said unto him, Rabbi, we, which means he represents a group of people. He represents a group of people. He says, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you all. That's not what he said. He said, I'm going to talk to you individually. Folks, I want to tell you this morning, and I believe in this, and I pray that every one of us will agree wholeheartedly with this. When God speaks to your heart, it's not holistically as far as everybody. He will speak to you as an individual. God speaks to you, and God will do just exactly like it did Nicodemus. We said, we believe. He looks unto him and he says, and he says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee. It's not about a nation that needs to be born again. It's not about the Pharisees and the, the, the Jews as a whole that need to be saved. He said, I'm talking to you as an individual. You need to be saved. I can remember all the time I would sit in church and the preacher would just preach and the people would testify and I was that person that I would duck behind the person in front of me. And all of a sudden that preacher would move over here. Guess what I would do? I would lean to the other side because it seemed like the Word of God was pricking down in my heart and I was guilty of sin. But you know what I realized? You cannot hide from God. God will look at you and He'll say, it's not them that needs to be born again. It's you that needs to be born again. Notice what He says. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except. You know what the word except just simply means? Unless... Unless you have been born again, it's like my parents used to say, unless you've cleaned your room, you're not going to get to go do this. Unless there's some criteria that has to be met. Unless, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Is there any confusion about that? That's not hard. It doesn't take a lot of translation. That doesn't take a whole lot of interpretation. He said, unless you've been born again, you cannot. He did not say any any. Any alternate path, he said, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And when he says see, don't be confused that you cannot look in. See comes from a word that means you cannot participate and be a part of it. 
You've heard me say before, there's a difference of being in the game and watching the game. There's a difference of being in a wedding and watching a wedding. There's a difference today in, in having a relationship in seeing somebody else with a relationship. The rich man we see in Luke said he lifted up his eyes and he could see uh, he, he could see uh, Lazarus that, that, that he was in Abraham's bosom. He could see into heaven, he just couldn't enjoy heaven. You see today, I'm afraid there's a lot of people that, that are on the outside looking in. Folks, the temple was not meant to be looked upon in beauty. It was meant to be enjoyed as far as occupied. You see today, Jesus is something that He means and He intends and He desires that we would be a part of. And that's why when Jesus said, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He cannot see it. He cannot comprehend it. He cannot understand it. For those of you that are saved... I want to ask you a question. Did you, at some point in your life, before you were saved, you just didn't understand why church was so important to people? Maybe you was that person, I just couldn't understand why the preacher would preach so, so long or why he would preach so passionately or why people was crying in church and why people would just do sometimes what we would call the strangest of things. And then after you got saved, you're like, okay, I get it now. You understand it after you're saved. Why? Because we understand and we begin to experience that. But until you have been born again, ye cannot uh, see the kingdom of heaven. You cannot understand it. You cannot explain it. That's why people say sometimes, well, I can't tell you what happened. I just know it's peace. I can't tell you what happened. I just know that, 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 that something happened in my life. And you know what today? You don't have to put words to it. You just have to have a comprehension or understanding that you have been born again. For he said, unless you've been born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. So what did Nicodemus do? Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? We talk about the change of a heart. Nicodemus is talking about the outside of man again. He said, if you're going to get old, then how can you be born again? Is he going to enter into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except to me of water and of the Spirit. Every person that's born on this earth is born of their mother and their father. What happens? Except for Jesus that had a heavenly father born of a virgin, and we believe that. Everybody else was born of a mother and a father. Jesus said that if you're going to enter into heaven, he said you've got to be born of the water and of the Spirit. You see, today I thank God that there's a change that happens in us, that we're not just born into this earth, that we can have a spiritual experience. He said, for he cannot enter... Into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh, he said, that's flesh. That which is born of the spirit, he said, that's the spirit. Marvel not that I said unto you, ye must be born again. The word must simply can be translated to be, it is absolutely necessary. You see, there's a difference in a necessity and a recommendation. A lot of people are going through this life thinking, well, maybe Christ has just given us some recommendations that we need to be born of Jesus. Let's just, instead of taking that recommendation, let's live good, let's do good. Let's even find a high ranking in our life. We'll become even a great teacher, a great leader of the, the Pharisees. Maybe we can even accomplish all of these things. He said, you must be born again. He said, not only is it necessary, but when he says that you must be born again, must also comes from a word of it is need of it. 
You know what? Till a person sees a need to be saved, they're not going to be saved. How do you know you need to be saved? That's always a question, preacher. How do you know? And you know, we, we, we would always hear that and still do. Well, you'll just know, folks. The Spirit of God will show you there's a need in your life. Never has man had the ability to whisper into your ear that you are a lost individual. The Spirit of God does that. How do you know the need in your life? How do you know that? How do you know the need to testify when you're saved? How do you know the need to, to witness for the Lord? The Spirit of God will tell you those things. You see, God tells us in our heart, when I talk about a change of heart, no longer are we listening to our own wishes and desires and our own want-tos. We're listening to the Spirit of God. If you're here this morning and you've never been saved, the Spirit of God will speak unto you that drawing you to an altar that you might be saved. And you know what? Just like a saved person, we can either heed that Spirit of God or we can turn that Spirit of God away. But a change of heart means a sensitive heart that we can listen to Him. Marvel not that I said unto you, you must be born again. And once you're born again, He said the Spirit, He said it's like the, the wind, it bloweth where it listens. Thou hearest the sound thereof, but cannot tell whence it cometh and whither it goeth. So, so is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Jesus, or excuse me, Nicodemus answered and said to Him, Well, how can these things be? Jesus and answered Him, and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto you, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witnesses. He's talking about how that God's going to work in the heart of people. Some of them are going to believe it. Some are not going to believe it. Remember what we read in that second chapter where they had seen the miracles. They had heard about the fame of Jesus. But yet there were still some not convinced. And he says, you know, Nicodemus came unto him being a ruler of the Jews. He said, I, I believe. He's talking about it. He said, you must be born again. And when he got this, this, this idea is that, uh, and this, this, this conviction that had fallen upon him, he knew that there was something missing in his life of all the things that he had he was coming to understand about what he did not have. So let's turn back for just a minute to Luke chapter 18, if we may. Luke chapter 18. Let's read for just a minute. Begin the 10th verse. Let's look at these Pharisees for just a minute. Remember, he was a Pharisee. Not first, let's wreck up. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. You mean people exist that look down on other people? Oh, folks, I don't have, you don't have to go very far to see that. And I know that sometimes God will God bring a work in me. Don't you look down on people for you're supposed to love your neighbor as you do yourself. That means you don't pick them up and you don't put them down. We are all equal, folks. We are all sinners. But there was a group of people that felt like they were righteous and despised others. So Jesus begins to speak right here. Two men went up into the temple to pray. Notice what he says. The one, a Pharisee. Now they were religious. For it says, they went to the temple to pray. And it says, the other was a publican. So the 11th verse tells us this. Notice the prayer that went on. Pharisee stood and prayed thus within himself. You know, we, we a lot of times think, if you'll just pray this prayer. Folks, prayer is not just what comes out of your mouth. It's about the condition of your heart. 
When I tell you this morning about a change of heart, notice what happened. The one Pharisee, he prayed thus within himself. God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. He said, I'm different. You know, the Christian people, a lot of times, that's one of our, that's one of our titles, one of our anthems is, folks, we're different. We're a different group of people. You know what? Different can be good and different can be bad. What kind of different are you, folks? I pray that we're a godly different is the difference that we are. I pray that we're a Christ-like different, not just different that we're better. But he said, so if, you, if I was to tell you that somebody prayed that they were different, you would say, yes, amen. We need to pray that we're a different people. Well, the publican, this Pharisee, excuse me, did just that. He says, I'm glad I'm not like this publican. I want to be different. I want to be, as he said there, um, and he says that I'm not as other men. And he goes on to say, he says, I'm not an extortioner. I'm not unjust. I'm not adulterer. He's the opposite of that. He said, I've done all of these things. But then he goes on to say, not only is, is, is my heart a little different than them, he says, look at what I've done. He says, I fast twice in a week. So then he said, not only that, he said, look at what I pulled out of my pocket. He said, I give tithes of all that I possess. So you've got a person here that, that man, they've done it. You, 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 let's just call this a resume. Look at what I've done. I've not done this. I've not done that. I've given this. And look at me. But this publican over here, Look at him, this tax collector. Now, this tax collector, they're not very popular people, I'm sure, because they collect your taxes. You don't want to give them money. Well, this tax collector probably was not very much loved, but notice what happens here. But the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Folks, today I love the word merciful. That just means mercy. It means God, do not give me what I deserve. How many of us this morning, and it seems like we say this nearly every week, how many of us today have to be reminded that we all deserve hell? Every one of us, we deserved it. But aren't you glad today that, that it's not about what we've accomplished and what we've done, that we must be born again, that change of heart, that He said He smote upon His breast. He smote upon that heart where he was troubled. He smote upon that part of his body. You know, people talk about how that when the Lord convicted them that their heart just about beat out of their chest. You know, I understand that there's some manifestation of the Spirit of God. But you know what? That there is something deep down inside of us, deep-seated inside of us, that is truly troubled. And it's the innermost part of us. And here we see that he tells them, he says, hey, he says, he smote upon his breast. And he says, and he, and he, and he, and he says, said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. There was something missing in his life. Nicodemus, there was something missing in his life. But all of a sudden, this first one we read about here, he says, there was nothing missing in his life. He said, I'm not like he is. There was nothing missing in his life. Today, or is there anything missing in your life? I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For every one that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exhausted. So skip on down to about the 18th verse. A certain ruder asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? 
If you know what all I've done and you've seen the works that I have accomplished in my life, then what good is there about me? The good is, is that God sent him. We know that. But go listen to what he said. 20th verse. Thou knowest the commandments. He said, I'm good, so you're saying you're not good. He said, let's talk about keeping the law for just a minute. Let's pause before I read that 20th verse right there. What is the purpose of the law? The purpose of the law is to show us our wrong or to show us our shortcomings. You see, in the Old Testament, these, these laws were external. The New Testament, Paul talks about how that they're written on the tablets of our heart. How do you know right from wrong? Parents can tell you all day long, well, this is right, this is what's wrong. But you have to believe it in your heart whether your parents are telling you the truth or not. You have to buy into it. Maybe we should word it like that. You have to buy into that idea that, that this is wrong. He says, look at these commandments. You do not commit adultery. One of those commandments says, do not kill. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother. So he goes on the 21st. And he said, all of these things have I kept from my youth up. Well, I have a wonder here. How many people think they've gotten all the answers right, but God has a different record? How many people say, well, I've done all of those things. I've lived right, I've done right. So basically what you would be saying is, why would I need a Savior if I've done all of these things? Folks, every single person needs a Savior in their life. The Bible says we all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Not a single one of us are exempt from that or have gotten away from that. We are all guilty sinners. And notice what he says. All these things have I kept, or I kept from my youth up. Now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto them, Yet lackest thou one thing. He said, you might have done pretty good in your life, but there's still something missing in your life. Nicodemus, all the accolades that he had in his life, there was still something missing. He said, Thou lackest the one thing, sell all that thou hast, distribute to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. In other words, you have to be willing to surrender all. So when he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he was very sorrowful, he said, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? For it is easier for the camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich man to enter into heaven. <clears throat> and I, you can finish reading those verses if you want to. But I want you to notice what he's telling them there. He said, You think you've got everything, but there's something missing in your life. Sometimes we think that if we properly and adequately prepare our children that they've got everything that they need in life. You know what? I will stand before you and I'll tell you this. I believe in a good education in this world. I believe that it's good to, to train up our children, give them some intelligence and some, some knowledge and a skill set that they can go out in the world and they can be successful. But you know what? There's still something they're going to need along the way. I believe it's okay for us to, to help our children to get financially settled and secure and, and, and to help them to go and to do. I believe those things are okay as long as they understand they're still going to be a need in their life. Do you believe there are people out there right now that, they're, that they have a, a, a carnal intellect? They're smart. They're, never, they're, they're always going to have a job. They're going to have what they need. 
There are those that are out there that, that they have the, the financial support. They're never going to have needs in their life. They've got financial support. And we may look at them and say, man, they're never going to need a thing. They've got somebody to cook and to clean and take care of them. And, you know, and the list goes on and on. We can tell you all of these things they'll need. But, folks, it is imperative that everybody understand there's always one need in our life. And there's a need that you need to be saved. Every one of us, we need to be saved. No matter how good we are, no matter how smart we are, no matter the deeds that we've done in our life, we can rear our children up to pray it forward. We can rear our children up to help the, 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 the shut-ins. We can do all of those things as long as we understand that in order to go to heaven, ye must be born again. It is required. It is imperative. It is absolutely necessary that you must be born again or you cannot see or, should I say, you cannot experience the kingdom of God until you've been saved. Folks, I believe in a change of heart that we talk about here. And that's what he says that, that we have to look at this, the, the, the change that happens here uh, in this Pharisee. We have to see the change that happens in this rich young ruler here. And we have to see the change that happens here in John chapter 3. And I'm going to hush in just a minute. He says, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And he goes on to say again, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, He said to me, Be born of water and of the Spirit. He cannot enter into the kingdom. You've got to have a natural birth. But folks, in order to get to heaven, you've got to have that spiritual birth. This morning, is there anybody here or anybody that we know of in our life that's lacking that spiritual birth? For I believe today that you have to have a change of heart. And that heart's not going to be just you changing it, deciding you're going to do good. For our nature is what's sinful. You know what the Bible says about the, the pig? You clean it up. You clean the outside up. What happens when you turn it loose? Where does it go? Right back to the mud again. Sometimes we see our children do that. Don't you go there. You're all cleaned up, ready for pictures. What do they do? Right to the dirt. There's a nature about us, folks, that's sinful. There's a nature about us that you can try to clean up all you want to. But it's about your heart. If you don't have the Spirit of God speaking to your heart, you're always going to do what you want to. And I've said this before and I'm going to say it again. Be very careful about using the very phrase of, well, you just do whatever you want to do. Folks, may we always say, may you do what God wants you to do. And if you're here this morning and God is drawing you to that altar to be saved, I don't care if it's outside. I don't care if it's in your vehicle. I don't care if it's down the road. I don't care if it's right here in front of this church. If God has drawn you to an altar, will you listen to him this morning? Will you experience that change of heart? 